Tokens been applied, he's cleaning from inside, and the dove leads the lamb once again. Oh, the evening light has come, the bride is making preparation. Oh, yes, we're still here, ain't a child of our King. so glad I can be led. You know, one thing I've found sometimes with preachers is that sometimes when a man thinks that he's called to preach, and many times genuinely they are, but a lot of times preachers tend to get to a place to where they feel like now that they're preachers, especially pastors, that they are no longer a sheep, which means they can't really take advice from anybody else. So if they're a shepherd, they can't be a sheep. But what I find amazing about that is that the Bible calls Jesus our great chief shepherd. But it also calls him the Lamb of God. So he was both shepherd and sheep. Why? He could be led. You see, a real leader can be led. A real leader can be influenced by contemporaries. It's only a man that really don't know who he is that feels intimidated, a preacher, to take any advice from anyone else. I hope and pray to God I never get like that. I hope you don't either. (laughs) Well, Brother Donnie, when do you stop taking advice? I figure when I'm in a box or when I'm changed. Anybody else? I've been pastoring now for over 40 years. Harry found a tape of where I'd introduced the message down at the church in Kentucky, March the 27th, 1983. So I've been pastoring for over 40 years, been preaching longer than that. But you know what I find? I learn something new every day. Some of y'all, oh my land. I know I'm not like some of you all. I'm not brilliant and marvelous and wonderful. And I hope I never get that way. I hope I can always be taught. Always be instructed. Always find room to grow in God. Don't you, Brother Joel? Don't you, Brother Matt? Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah tonight. I forgot to ask y'all, everybody doing well? Yes. Well, you was before I started talking anyway. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Isaiah 59, 15. How many come tonight with needs in your life? 
need to hear from heaven. Me too. Well, I believe we're going to. Isaiah 59, 15. I want to speak to you tonight on the flood of the enemy. The flood of the enemy. Isaiah 59, 15. Yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. It's a very strange time that God is speaking this to the people of Israel. And the Lord saw it. So truth was failing. Truth was collapsing. And then a man that would depart from evil, he was making himself a prey. So in other words, whenever a man would depart from evil, it's like things turned against him and he was worse seemingly than what he was before he ever turned to God. That can be a very confusing time. And the Lord saw it. And it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him. And his righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Now remember, of course, this is a messianic prophecy, but it was also a prophecy for this time in Isaiah's uh, visit on the earth. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he shall repay recompense. Now listen to verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. From the west. And his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Ruach of the Lord. Ruach of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. How many believes that to be the truth tonight? How many has a need in your life, your home? I stopped to pick up the Parker girls for church tonight, and Lance wanted me to mentioned to you <clears throat> that Erica for the last few days has had an intensifying of pain in her body. And I know that y'all pray for her. I get texts and emails and phone calls and things like that from, from you saying that you pray for her every day, sometimes multiple times during the day and how we appreciate you doing that. Um, but sometimes you need a little update of where things are. So they wanted me to mention to you tonight that 
she's on a pain patch and she's having, actually having breakthroughs of that pain patch and having to take more pain meds by pill. And we don't consider this a loss of ground. We don't consider this not a sign of victory. As a matter of fact, we're looking at it that it's a sign of a scared devil. And he hates to be exposed, don't he? But for the last few days, she's really had a lot of pain. Caroline had to go down last night about 9.30 or so and was there for quite a while praying and praying and the presence of God certainly came in a mighty way, in a mighty way. And the Holy Ghost, well, let me just say, the Holy Ghost made a great visit with his presence. I wish all of you could have been there to sense the presence of God. But they wanted me to ask you tonight if you would remember him, and I know you will. We have lots of other folks that are sick and we want to remember them as well. So just, just raise your hand, your need, whatever it is there to signify. And I know you think, oh my goodness, Brother Donnie, my need is so little compared to hers and it's so little. But look, friends, he didn't just come to pay for Erica's healing. He didn't just come for the great big things. Maybe you've got a headache tonight. That's just as important to Jesus. Amen. Maybe you've got a toothache. Maybe your feet are bothering you or something. I don't even want to ask him after all of that. Why? He's got plenty of healing left to cover the big things, the little things. So let's just bring all of our needs to him now. Heavenly Father, we count it such a great honor that we could be in your presence once again. Lord Jesus, I believe that You're mindful of every need of every person in this building. So whether their need would be great or whether it might be considered small, Lord God, we want to bring them all before you. We're grateful that you suffered for desperate things and cancer is certainly a serious thing. But Lord Jesus, not only did you pay the price for that, but you paid it for Somebody's feet hurting and sore like mine are tonight. Mine's so small compared to Erica's and maybe others. But I need to touch, Lord. I'm sure there's others here tonight and they say, Lord, I, I don't even want to mention mine. But we need to because your power is so great. And you're concerned about the small needs, the medium size, the large, the extra large. So, Father, we're praying tonight in the name of Jesus that you'd come by our way. Visit us tonight, Lord. Father, you see this need in Erica's body, and I know when I speak it tonight, it will be around the world by in the morning, and that's good because the kingdom of hell is going to be bombarded against, and the throne of God is going to be, hallelujah, hallelujah, I told her the other day, honey, I said, you're so loved. I said, there's not a president, a prime minister, a potentate. There's not a king around the world who has their name mentioned before the throne of God as much as you do. And we're grateful for every one of them, Lord. We thank you, Father. We're just asking you that you'd move for her, Lord. 
We believe it, dear God, in the name of Jesus. May this be the night that the angel of God will pass by her way, Lord, and bring complete deliverance. Speak to us from your word, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the saint said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I don't know if you know it or not, but the year 2023 has been a year of great floods, naturally now. Let me just speak to you along the natural line for a a few moments. Europe has had catastrophic floods. Parts of Africa has had catastrophic floods. Nevada, last week, had a flood. Thousands of people were held there at a festival, flooded. They could not get in or out. Roads were blocked. And people were paranoid, of course. Libya, the country of Libya, which most of you know where it's at, northern Africa, Libya was hit by a flood this weekend, and I saw it just this afternoon that they're estimating from what they've seen so far, the devastation, the lives that have been lost, the lives that cannot be accounted for, probably 20,000 people dead. Italy just had a catastrophic flood all these floods taking place all over the world. I believe, and I'm sure that you believe with me, that many times the natural things that we see are signs that have a spiritual anatype that connects together with it. The signs in the heavens declare his majesty. They can also declare judgment on the earth. And as we can see great floods that are bringing devastation and judgment to the earth, the enemy also has an answer to this in the spiritual sense. A flood can come from a a deluge which will fall within a short period of time. Actually, right now, the hurricane in the Atlantic, they're keeping an eye on it. It sped up, slowed down, sped up again, slowed down. Now taking a northern course, the tropical system, of course, moving up through the Atlantic, and the high-pressure system holding over the eastern seaboard has not allowed it to go south toward South Carolina, Georgia, and so on. So it seems that it will take a more northerly route, maybe up to Virginia, Maine, eastern part of Canada, still looking at it. The radar, the computer generating the images, as they call it, the spaghetti images because the images will intertwine and it will come across. So they're giving preliminary warnings that parts of the Northeast might get five to seven inches of rain in a period of 12 to 24 hours. 
Well, our drainage systems are not made to take such rain. The, uh, depending on the earth itself, how much rains that they've received. So floods, we understand, can come like that. That it can be a catastrophic amount of rain that can fall in a short period of time. Parts of China in the last month have been inundated with one flood after another after another. Buildings washed away. Great things in Saudi Arabia, also in Israel. In Saudi Arabia, in Dubai, some of their great, great major cities, the heavens opened up and deluge of rain coming down. But we also know that floods can come from moderate rain that will come one day and another and another and another, not catastrophic, not deluged proportion, but just a steady rain can happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And people will look at it and they don't get all upset because the weather people have not warned them that we're gonna have a deluge. Everybody watch out for flooding. But it just seems it's normal rain in Carter County or it's normal rain in Washington or Sullivan County. And then on the fourth day, we get this alert of a flood. And we think, well, where did that come from? It come from Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And by Thursday, the ground is saturated. The rivers are at their peak. And all of a sudden, we get this warning of a flood. I mean, knows what I'm talking about. And yet we've also had them to where that it would be a deluge of rain and it would come a heavy downpour and all of a sudden we get this on our phones or our computers or whatever more and it will warn us. So it can come in a variety of ways. And I find myself that life can be that way. That the flood or the onslaught of the enemy, it can be something so spiritually catastrophic that it hits you and nearly takes you off your feet. It was something that just happened. You were not prepared for it. You were not forewarned. And it's just something that hits you. All of a sudden it's there and you say, oh my goodness, how did this happen? But then other times it will be one thing after another, after another, after another, and your ground around you becomes so saturated with one family issue after another family issue after another family issue with a financial issue and then a church family issue. And before you know it, your banks are flooded and your ground is saturated with water and you're trying to figure out where in the world am I? How many has ever been there? You see, those are the type that can be really more dangerous. Now, for those of you that have traveled out west in the desert southwest and you've been in Arizona, maybe Nevada, Utah, some of those places, and you go across a wash. Now, for those that's been there and live there, and those of you that have visited, you know what I'm talking about, and there will be a sign there, and the sign will say, do not enter when flooded. And you're looking at that sign, and you're thinking, you gotta be kidding me. 
I mean, it didn't rain here in 45 years, and it's as dry as it can be. What are they talking about flooding? But that sign is there as a warning. Because in that desert southwest, in many of those places, there's not trees like we have back here in the east. So the water will run off the mountains and the rocks and the sand and it will accumulate and it can be a little bitty tiny spring or it look like whenever you go across it and that deluge of water can come across whenever you get in the middle of it and the next thing you know you find yourself about halfway down dead man's wash and you wonder why they call it dead man's wash. Your fatality number 3,837. Because you did not pay attention to that little bitty sign, do not enter when flooded. So you thought your Cadillac or your big large SUV would be powerful enough to take you across that, and that's the way life can be sometimes that we will find ourselves in that spot and God anoint the pastor or the visiting minister to preach about such things. And we say, well, I'm not really there, so apparently that don't apply to me. But God was warning you tonight because your wash is gonna be full tomorrow. So you see, the Lord is always merciful. How many knows that he is? And he gives us a heads up many times if we will listen. And sometimes it's during that to when we become so overwhelmed with the floods of life. Now, whether it comes by an instant deluge or it's just one moderate rain after another, after another, and day five finally gets here, and it is the final time when that moderate rainfall is gonna push your little creek out of its banks. And you find yourself totally overwhelmed and you're wondering what in the world is going on. You see, Satan has so many things to be able to flood our lives with. Now, whenever we look at us as individuals, and we also parallel, of course, the church of the living God, and Satan loves to send so many different types of floods, and he does them in the same pattern. Sometimes it's in moderate days of rain, and then sometimes it'll be an instant deluge. He loves to send the moderate rains of error. He will send just a little bit of a moderate thing of error, and it'll be one error after another. And Satan will talk you into doing something wrong, say, or receiving just a little something that's a little bit off the beaten path, and you don't think it's that bad. And then another thing that's, you know, just a little bit of a compromise, and you know that it's not quite right. Well, well, you know, it's not so, so bad. But you take one day after another day after another day, and before long, you've got several accumulations of several days of moderate error. Five moderate days of error can equal one deluge of a false doctrine that you would never walk into one at a time, but five small ones, you swallow them down because they're so moderate and they don't seem to really take that much away from what you believe. Anybody hear me tonight? 
And you see, Satan wants to do this to us as individuals, and he also wants to do that to the church. He also wants to do that to a move of God, and he will come in, and most of the time, it will be so mild and so moderate, not to raise any attention, not to raise any red flags, but something that will not scare most people, something that will not make them leery. You see, that's one thing that makes a pastor different than sheep. Because a pastor, and it'll do you good sometime to do a study on it, how Brother Brown talks about the shepherds, how leery that they are, and how watchful that they are. And a sheep is so easily deceived. I, I, it never ceases to amaze me how sheep are so gullible, and they will swallow down things that are so vulnerable that is as contrary to the word as it can be. And yet a shepherd, if he's a real God-called shepherd, hear one little thing, and a red flag goes up. And a sheep will swallow it right down and it don't even make them burp. It don't even make them belch. And they say, wow, that was some good eating right there. And they don't realize they just accepted a little bit of error in moderation. So you see, now it would be very easy for us since we're in a nice new place here and we're getting visitors all the time coming in. It would be very easy for us if we're not careful for the preachers, the pastor, and you folks as laity to say, you know what, maybe we need to kind of back off a little bit of preaching what we normally preach at the other place and just kind of round off the corner somewhat. And let's not preach on wholeness because we're getting folks in here that are dressing not in the way that we dress. You know, I mean, I see them just like you do. And we're getting people in here that are not familiar with the message. So maybe, Brother Donnie, you should stop reading quotes. Forget it. You think I'm going to do that? No way. Ain't no way. Uh -uh. Not this preacher. Well, maybe we should just kind of back off and let's not preach election for a while and let's not preach holiness and let's not preach about women cutting their hair and, and wearing slacks and things like that. And the next thing you know, what else would we do in moderation? Well, we're not gonna do it because we've got a bunch of visitors. Well, apparently they're searching for something or they wouldn't be here. So it could be the very thing that we're not preaching that they're looking for and we don't preach it and then we're to blame. Well, come on, somebody. So all it takes is a little bit of moderation on one weekend and then a little bit of moderation on the next weekend and we cut a corner here and we cut a corner there and then before long you look out on your congregation and you've got people sitting there that don't look nothing like they did a year ago because the preacher no longer preaches against it because we got folks coming to church with their eyes painted and this and that and the other. And then some of our young sisters said, well, apparently Brother Donnie don't think that's wrong anymore because he's not preaching that it's wrong. Oh, but I still believe it's wrong. And that's why I'm still gonna preach against it, you see. But Brother Donnie, what if it makes some of them mad? Well, if it makes them mad, I'll tell you one thing, if they're a seed of God, they may get mad, but they'll come right back. That's the way some of you all done. That's the way I done when I first started hearing this message. I didn't just swallow it down, hook, line, and sinker. I tried it. Some of it scruffled my feathers. Some of it made me angry. Some of it bothered me. But you see where I'm at tonight, don't you? I've been preaching it for over 40 years, and I believe it now more than I did when I introduced it over 40 years ago. Anybody with me? 
So you see, Satan loves to bring in, whether it's by moderation or by deluge. He wants to bring a flood. He will try to turn the simplicity of the gospel in the hearts of the people away from the fundamental foundational faith of what we believe in this last day. You see, having been in Pentecost and saw signs, wonders, miracles, and just let me let you know this tonight. I have not just started having miracles in my ministry in the last six months. I have had miracles my entire ministry. I had miracles in Pentecost. I had miracles when I come out of Pentecost. I have never stopped having miracles, healing, supernatural, phenomenal. I just don't go around telling everybody about them. But I have always had them in my ministry. And that's why I know just because you have miracles don't mean you're gonna have, wind up having rapturing faith. Get out a little bit and you'll find out that there's miracles taking place in charismatic churches. There are miracles taking place in Baptist churches. I just told you of an instance the other day of a Baptist woman sitting there in Erica's room and once Lance mentioned about praying about something that woman spoke of and said, oh honey, we believe God can do it. We believe in miracles because we have seen many of them. A Baptist that attends a local Baptist church right here in Johnson City. Oh, you mean they're seeing miracles? Yep. You see, God will perform miracles for anybody that'll believe he'll do it. Well, come on now, church. Well, Brother Donnie, that must mean God approves. No, it means God loves humanity. People think because somebody got saved in a certain church, that means that God approves of that church. No, no, actually, it don't mean that at all. I've heard of people getting saved in a bar room. So that don't mean God approves of the bar room. But what it means is they were under conviction and God wanted them so bad, God said, move the liquor, I'm coming in. (laughs) Well, that's how much he loves humanity. God will save them in a bar room. He'll save them in a barn. He'll save them in a honky-tonk. Billy Andrews was sitting at a bar room. He told me this himself, sitting right there at a bar stool with a drink in his hand and the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, this is your life's chance. You imagine? Sitting out with alcohol in your hand and God got a hold of him and God was able to deal with him. Did that mean God vindicated the bar room? That meant God had a predestinated sea and he had to scare the liver out of it to get his attention. Well, come on, somebody. God will heal the sick in the Baptist church if they'll believe it. God will heal the sick in the church of Christ. Boy, that would be a miracle, wouldn't it? God would heal the sick. I'll tell you what. God would heal it in a method church, God would heal it in a Catholic church. Well, my goodness, friends, the Catholics are having miracles. Come on, that don't mean that they're having a bride revival. Now, you see what Satan will want to do if he can't do this by error, then he will try to come in and bring in a flood of persecution. And again, it may come in moderation or it may come in a deluge, but he tries all these different things in order to try to do what? To get our attention diverted away from what our Lord is doing. You see, he will come to try to corrupt our hearts, our minds, our souls from what we're called to do. And if he can't do it from one way, he will do it another way. He will try to come. He studies our worship. 
He studies the worship of the message people. He don't have to study too much for some because they don't worship. But he will study the, for those who do worship and he will try to get inside that worship. And he will either try to calm them down or he will try to push them on the other side of the ditch and get them to thinking that if you don't run, jump, shout, holler, speak in tongues, knock over the pews every night, you ain't had church. Now you're going back to 1906 Laodicea. Well, come on, somebody, don't get quiet on it. Oh, Brother Donnie, now Brother Branham's danced on the floor. And how many knows how many times Brother Branham did that? Anybody know? You know, Carol? Anybody else? Would you like to know? Here you go. One time. Wow. So does that mean after that one time he was back sick because he didn't dance again? But you see, when we go to making it, oh, this is what you've got to do. This is the bride move. Well, I've got a problem with that since Brother Branham didn't do it every service himself. Now, we're going to make that the evidence. If we're not careful, we're going to leave Brother Branham totally out of the bride message. And after all, I thought he was the one that God used to bring it. Well, come on now, somebody. But you see, what we do, we want to say, well, this is the bride's move right here. This, how many bride's revivals have we had in hell? And you know what Satan does? He wants to watch us. And he studies each of our natures and knows what we're most vulnerable to. Now, a lot of the message people, they don't want no emotion. They want a preacher that's dead and dry. They don't want nobody that burns or hide. A lot of them, what they want is a kind old priest type. They want, you know, Brother Ram talked about a guy and he said, you know, Brother Bill, he said, there was a guy talking, he said, you know, Brother Ram, boy, said our pastor, he is so wonderful. Me and my wife were sitting at the kitchen table the other night, it says about 10 o'clock, and said, we're sitting in our pajamas and said, our, our pastor come in, knocked on the door and come in and sat down and had a cup of coffee with us and just had a time, boy, we just sat there and talked, you know, about this and that and the other. And he said, he got up and went from there to somebody else's house and somebody else's house and somebody else's house and Brother Ram said, he said, God, I wish I could be like that. Ain't that something that Brother Branham would want to be like that man? But he said the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, I didn't make you that way. Now you see, a lot of folks would rather have a pastor like that. One that doesn't really preach hard. Just the kind old priest type. He's all lovey-dovey and all molasses and maple syrup and just oozes out the seams with all that sweet stuff. You better watch that hypocrite. A man that won't tell you the truth, a man that won't try to pull you out of the flames of hell, don't love you. Come on, somebody. That's right. And you see, we're getting it more and more. I know a lot of you don't get out. You don't hang around preachers the way I do. But as it goes on every year, some of the ministry and the message are getting softer and softer and softer. Preaching against sin, preaching against this, preaching against that. Before long, if the Lord tarries in a few years, I'm not sure what the message is even gonna look like. I'm not sure what it will be even identified to say we're in the message. I can tell you where it's already gone for some. They're identified it being in the message, so they say, and they believe God sent a prophet, and oh yeah, 
they believe he had the seals and all that, but they're just not gonna say nothing about it from behind the pulpit. They're not gonna read anything that he said. They're not really gonna read quotes. They're gonna kind of keep that knowledge. I knew some preachers like that in Pentecost. Oh yeah, when I come to the message, I found out there's more than Pentecostal preachers know about Brother Branham than I ever knew in my life. Me and Harry was born and raised about 25 miles from where Brother Branham was born, Burksville, Kentucky. Born and raised about 35 miles from where the little fish was resurrected from the dead. Born and raised about 60 miles or a little over from where he went over at the campgrounds in Acton, Kentucky. All those things happened right there out of our backyard basically and never even knew nothing about it. But I found out a bunch of them preachers around there knew it. Oh, I'd hear him preach about kinsman redeemer. I'd hear him preach them mighty sermons and I'd say, Lord have mercy. Where did they get them at? Well, I found out one day. And when I found out where they got them, they didn't want to hang around me no more because they knew I was a blabbermouse. And they knew I was going to tell. You see, the difference between me and them is I preach what he said too, but I give him the credit. But they're hypocrites. They act like they come up with it on their own. Oh my, you see, if he cannot stop you from one way or another, then he will try to bring in the ceremonial side to where we just come to church and we sat there and we get in the routine and we clap our hands and we're as cold as icicles and you got a six foot icicle standing up there and the church becomes like a deep priest. Everybody say amen. Amen. Careful now, brother, you're getting wild there. You're getting wild. Don't get calmed down, calmed down. Oh, sorry, brother. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's scary, ain't it? And a little bit of move of the Holy Ghost. Oh, my, I can understand why it bothers them. You get the wind blowing, it melts icicles. Can you imagine what he'd do before long? He totally disappears behind the pulpit. Why, fire comes in there and it sets that place on fire. So if he can't get us to one side, he'll get us to the other. Oh God, help us to get in the middle of the road. Oh, Brother Donnie, you get in the middle of the road, you get run over. No, I won't. This is a one-way street. Hallelujah. I said this is a one-way street. I ain't gonna get run over. You ain't gonna get run over. Let's get in the middle and stay there. You see, sometimes he tries a flood of neutrality just to be neutral. That's where we are, friends. What do you think about this? Oh, really? Would you mind interpreting that for me? Oh, bad supper? Indigestion, neutrality. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. What do you think about this? Cat got your tongue? You know where neutral people go? To hell! Because they got a backbone like a jellyfish. And they won't stand against sin and error and wrong. Mm. Whew. 
Sometimes the flood is in the form of great sorrow, misunderstanding, sadness. God allows something to happen in your life, and you just can't put it together. Can't make no sense out of it. And you have more questions than you have answers. You see, God allows sorrow to come our way. God allows heaviness. Difficult. And the longer it goes, for many people, the worse shape they get. Well, how come this and how come that? And why don't God do this and why don't God do that? If God loves you. If God loves you. Brother Tim had posted a quote one day this week. Brother Ron and myself, a couple other brothers. And in the quote, Brother Ram said, God loves to heal his children. And when I read that quote, I thought, wow, that is awesome. But old Blabbermouth said to me, if God loves to heal his children, wonder why he hasn't already healed your daughter. Brother Donnie, you mean the devil talks to you? He tries. I only let him get a few words out. The Bible tells me to resist him and he'll flee. I don't believe in having seven hour conversations with the devil. I don't believe in having an hour conversation with the devil, but oh yes, he come to the Lord Jesus, he's gonna come to you. He come to the Lord Jesus and the Bible says he left him for a season. If he only left the Lord Jesus for a season, Brother Randy, I guarantee you he's gonna come back to us over and over again. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna knock his block off. If he wants to come back, we're gonna hit him again. And if he comes back, we're gonna hit him again. How many times you gonna hit him? That depends on how many times he comes back. Because it's not right for me to listen to a liar when I can listen to the father of truth. You see, God allows sorrow, and hope you understand me, certain sorrow is appointed to us. But God allowing a certain sorrow to come to us is never intended to destroy us. Sometimes it can be one Sorrow after another. Little ones. Or it could be a deluge of a loved one that when they passed it tore your heart out and left you feeling absolutely pointless, worthless, totally devastated. And what do floods do? Wreck havoc on homes, businesses, Property. You ought to see some of the pictures that I saw earlier this evening in Libya where they're thinking possibly at least 20,000 if not more killed by the flood. Turning this place totally upside down. Changing people's lives forever. Changing the face of the earth. Roads gone, great big caverns deeper than this church. Totally changed the landscape. I've had a few trials like that, haven't you? Tore whenever that flood leaves you and you look back and you say, what in the world? What in the world happened? 
We've had so many heavy floods just in the last deluges of heavy rains. The little creek near where I live there, which is the one that comes back to here, our pond down here has been filled several times in the last few months. Plumb up to the top and running over, which is why we had to put this thing out here anyway, because the state made us do it to catch all the water because we moved all the grass. And we had to put a gigantic pump in the bottom of it. So the water supposedly that comes out on the other side is the quality of bottled water. So what do you think? Well, maybe we should bottle it and sell it? Word of life, church water. Wow. That's what some people would do. That's what religion is to a lot of them. It ain't nothing but another buck. And why do they do that? To be able to control the floodwaters. So it will go into our detention pond and there it will stay and seep down and seep down. Oh, if life was only like that. That I could have a detention pond and there's two different types of ponds, retention pond and detention pond. So if I could have that before it come to me personally and there would be a detention pond or retention, I wouldn't care either way. There was just one there that caught it and it would let it filter down through the sand and all the things that's been embedded in the ground. And little by little, I would get hit with trials and I would just change my sunglasses and wipe off the perspiration. And that was a flood. Whoa. Wouldn't that be something? We'd be worse than we are now. We'd be more lazy, wouldn't we? We'd be sorry, Laodiceans. So God don't give us no retention nor detention, Paul. But God lets it come sometime, Brother Jimmy, and it will be overwhelming to us. And you say, Lord God, what in the world is going on? He has favor, all glory, that he wants to bestow upon you because he has confidence in you that you will be able to withstand the flood. Why? Because you have a standard raised. What did God say when the enemy will come in like a flood? The spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Lord children, if we ain't got a standard in this day, we're gonna be wiped out. We're gonna wind up like the rest of the churches, like the rest of Laodicea, somewhere in the debris field of humanity. Lord God. But floods always destroy something precious, something valuable, something beautiful, something irreplaceable. Notice this again in Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like the flood. The spirit of the Lord and the word spirit there is what I quoted to you, the Hebrew word that when we read it, ruach. Look at the meaning of it. As that which breathes quickly in animation. So ruach breathes in animation. You see, this is where cartoons started. So they started drawing one little thing and then they changed it just a bit and a bit and a bit, then put movement, and it become animated. And so they start make, taking these frames and moving these frames fast enough 
and it's not Mickey Mouse come alive. But he wasn't. But they animated it. And when they animated it, it was as though they gave it a personality and life. And you see, that's the way we are. We are dead and we're no more than a picture on a piece of paper. But the Spirit of God comes into us and takes those dead stills and animates our life and quickens us. And what does God want to do? He wants to continue the same animation in our trials in our test, in the rough spots by the gym that we go through. When we think, Lord, where are you? He's the animation of your soul. He's the Ruach that breathes breath of life into you and helps you when it seems like all hell is around you. Oh my. Listen to this, the meaning of this word. As that which breathes quickly in animation, vigor, Courage. Listen, Carol, to the meaning of this word. Parker girls, listen to the meaning of this word. An inspiring, a static state of prophecy. An inspiring, a static state of prophecy. This is what Isaiah got under. Jeremiah, Brother Branham, Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai. An, an animation of a static power into the state of prophecy. So God says, when the enemy comes in, if you'll let me, I'll lift you up into an ecstatic place of prophecy. Why do we need prophecy in the midst of a flood? What are we the most concerned about, children? When a flood comes our way, a flood of a financial crisis, a flood of a family crisis, what are we concerned about? The outcome. What's the end result of this gonna be? What is my outcome? Oh, the doctor says this and this and this, but what is the outcome? God says, if you will let me, I am Ruach Elohim. You see, in Genesis, whenever the Bible said, and the Lord God moved upon the face of the earth, very same word, Ruach Elohim. Ruach Elohim. So it was God inspiring the chemistry of the earth from the bowels of the earth that he had spoken into existence and it brought the earth into an ecstatic state of prophecy. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, sometimes it may be by dream coming to you. Sometimes it may be by a preacher that don't even know why he's saying it and he will look right straight at you when he says it and you say, glory to God, that was for me, Lord. That was for me, Lord. What is it? Ruach was brooding over you in the middle of your flood and saying, daughter, I'll bring you through this. Son, I'll bring you through this. What is it? An ecstatic state of prophecy moving over what? The surface of the earth when the earth was flooded. And what did God do? Ruach began to brood. One of the meanings of this word is like a, a, a great bird, an eagle, that will take her wings and pull around her young and flutter her wings. So Ruach 
begin to flutter over the earth. Oh, I don't know about you, but that's what I need for him to do to me sometimes. When I get in these floodwaters and Brother Jack, I'm looking, Lord, what's my end? What's it gonna be, God? How's this thing gonna turn out? I don't know, but I need to know, Lord. I need to know, I believe you're with me, but how's this gonna turn out? And the ecstatic state of prophecy. Sometimes it can be a quote that a brother from Africa will send you. Sometimes it might be somebody that just sends you an email. Brother Donnie, you've been on my heart. Boy, here lately, I've been on a lot of folks' hearts. I'm telling you what. It's just been about weekly in the last, I don't know how long. Brother Donnie, I've been thinking about you. Preacher, pastor, friend of mine, texted me one day this week, said, you've been on my heart so bad. I've been so burdened for you. I've been praying for you. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why? He knows exactly where we are. And what's he do? He moves on the hearts of the people of God. I'll tell you what, I, that couldn't be a greater honor to me than if I got a letter from every senator in the United States, if I got a personal letter from Joe Biden himself, which he probably couldn't write it, poor fellow, uh, from every congressperson in the Congress to, to get an email from some of you saints of God full of the Holy Ghost and you to write me say, Brother Donnie, you've been on my heart. I say, look at there, devil. Look at there, devil. What is it's an ecstatic state of prophecy that God let me know I'm mindful of you, son. I'm not taking the waters yet, yet, but I will. As Noah come through the flood, so will you come through the flood. As my children have come through hard times, you'll come through hard times. But you see, what is the standard bearer? Now, God says, by his attribute of Ruach, Ruach, every, every name of God has a trait and a characteristic by which he chooses to reveal himself. Abraham needed to know him in the attribute of El Shaddai. He didn't reveal himself to Abraham in the attribute of Ruach, but El Shaddai. And then Abraham needed a, a, a ram a sacrifice, and he revealed himself to him in the form of what? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, he chooses this one attribute which covers everything from Z and back, that no matter what you have need of, Ruach moves on the face of the deep. When the mud is knee deep and the flood waters is everywhere and you can't find nothing to eat, don't seem right, and you can't find nobody, you know how it is in flood time. What happens? The water becomes contaminated and the food becomes contaminated and the electricity's off and everything is going on in the flood and it seems like things are not normal. Of course they're not normal. But Ruach says, listen, Listen, don't you hear it? Oh, you thought that was another storm coming, didn't you? It wasn't, it's Ruach. <laughs> He's fluttering his wings. Notice this in Isaiah, again, chapter 11, verse 10. Now God said that he'd lift up a standard, Ruach would. So he wants to have something lifted up in the time of flood to where we know where to rally around. What do we do? Where do we go when the flood waters are there? What do we do? 
We need a standard. How many knows what a standard is? Oh, Brother Donnie, I know it's what it is. It's how long our sisters wear their dresses and, and our brothers, you know, can't have their hair. No, that, that, that's not what the word standard means at all. Notice Isaiah 11:10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign. So a standard in the Old Testament was every tribe of Israel had their own name and had their own standard. So a standard was their flag. So if you were in the tribe of Judah, you would pitch your tent under that standard. So they would come up, they'd drive that down in the sand, and then you knew where to park your tent, and your donkeys, and your cows, and your youngins. Why, what did you look for? Your standard. And when you found your standard, now remember there's 12 out through there, and you've got to find which one's yours. You see, that's a lot of the problem with a lot of people today. They don't know what the standard is for this hour. Some of them still trying to, to camp under a Baptist standard or a Church of God standard. Some of them in the message are under a two-soul standard or a seven-thunder standard or this standard or that standard. I'm not interested in any of that stuff myself. I want to find where Christ is. I want to find not a cold, dead religion. I don't want some cold, formal something other than this message. I need a resurrected Savior. I've got needs. My children have needs. My people have needs. I don't want to put you under a standard that's compromised on the word and say, well, God used to do that, but he don't do it no more. Notice what our standard will be. He will set an ensign, which is a standard. So God himself went, This is the standard. What was it? Christ, the root of Jesse. Verse 12. He shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So Christ Jesus, being God in the form of a man, was the standard that we're to rally around. And yet, every so-called Christian church would say, amen to that. Why, sure, we, we believe that. But you see, one major difference between us and them is, they believe he was, we believe he still is. And we also believe he is come in the flesh. Oh, hallelujah. We, we don't just believe the word is printed on paper. We believe the word is being made flesh in his bride. Come on, somebody. You see, so we can't rally around that standard. Well, Dr. So-and-so and so-and-so said, Mark 16, the last half of that chapter there, wasn't even in the original. Yeah, I'm kind of reminded of that. Like that old lady that got real sick and she wrote to her son, you know, there in college and the boy was in, in theology and he was taking a lot of seminary stuff and his mother wrote to him and said, honey, you know, the doctor said I ain't got very long to live so they wrote him a letter, you better come home. And then in a day or two, they got another back to back, well, you know what, everything's okay, everything's fine. 
So the boy come home sometime later and he said, Mom, you know how you doing? They sit down to talk a little bit and have a little bit of fellowship. And he said, Mom, you never did really tell me what happened. Well, son, son, listen, glory to God. He said, Mother, mother. Well, son, I got real bad sick and there's one of them women. You know that little, that little church up on the corner? Yes, mother, I know that church. It's the illiterate type. It's the illiterate type. Uh-huh. Well, they don't know too much and they ain't got no degrees. Now you're talking about my language. I never graduated from high school. Didn't go to Bob Jones University. As a matter of fact, I never even heard of it until just, you know, some time ago. I never heard about Harvard or Hartford or any of the rest of them forwards. I never went to no Bible school. I did graduate with a BA, they, although born again experience. I also got a HGF degree, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. I've got, I got one, I've got a real good degree in theology. I've got another degree in CDs, casting out devils. I've got one of LH, laying hands on the sick. Well, glory to God. Oh, I know some of you get ashamed of me sometimes. I wish Brother Donnie was a little bit more refined. I wish he'd act that way. You know, he kind of looks that way when he first comes out. And Carol said, Donnie, I want you to look good. I said, yeah, your armor shirt, your armor tie, no look, you know, decent, presentable when I come out. Time the church is over, I look like I've been in a horse race and I was the horse. So it looks like, you know, I got very many manners. Brother Donnie, where did you learn your pulpit manners? That's from my brother. He was a Baptist. John was his first name. <laughs> oh, I know some of you like to change me a little bit, but brother, would you rather me follow the Spirit of God or follow some degrees and we wouldn't have the power of God in our church? Which do we want? The Holy Ghost that can change lives? So the standard is a signal of war. One of the most famous pictures of our nation and our identity is Iwo Jima. You've seen it, all of you familiar with it? It was not a couple of guys with degrees. It was not a couple of colonels and guys that sat back in the Pentagon. But it was a man out there in the midst of the battle holding up what? Dunkin' Donuts? Holding up some type of handbook how to survive World War II? But they risked their life to raise that standard up by the gym. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, give us men. Give us men that'll stand and preach the gospel barehanded, that will not compromise for a crowd, that will not compromise so we can be able to get more people in our church. I don't want more people in our church if all they want is just to be able to live the way they want to live. I want people that want to be changed. I want people that want to live like the bride of Christ, not a bunch of hogs out there in the hogwash. I want people hallelujah that say I have a need man of God pray for me and it will be as you have said I want people that can call Jesus on the scene not just a crowd don't give me a crowd give me the cloud So if the flag bearer got shot, 
What did they do? Leave the flag laying on the ground. Somebody didn't know where they stood. But somebody would run to take that standard and stand it up. Oh, hallelujah. Can't you see why we needed seven church age messengers? The standard was so on the ground and the smut of the world. God sent a prophet with a message to raise it up. God knew that prophet wouldn't live the entire age. So he would call a man after him and say, now you men got the same spirit that he had. You see, that's the real God called men of this message. It ain't them that wants to be rich. It ain't them that wants to have a church and think, I want a fine dandy thing to be, to have your own church. I'll tell you one thing. If a man starts a church on his own, he's opening up the office mess he ever seen in his life. A man that wants to be an evangelist because he thinks it'd be an easy way of life. You're a cuckoo bird's all I know. But brother, give us God called men that'll stand right there knowing they risk their life. They risk their life holding the standard, but there they plant it. And they stand right there and hold it till they die. Till they die. Because them sharpshooters is aimed right at you. Because they hate that standard. Oh, hallelujah. Satan can drop the standard and the men of God will compromise. The people don't know where to rally. Where do we go? Which, where's, the, where's the battlefront? Where's the line? We don't know where to go. Do we retreat? Do we charge? What do we do? We don't know what to do. Let me give the kingdom of hell an update. You will never stop God's men. Oh, hallelujah. You've attacked some of them with cancer. You've attacked some of them with this and that and the other, but you will never stop them. And if God takes one, he'll raise up another one. And if God takes that one, he'll raise up another one. And if God takes that one, he'll raise up another one. God must have standard barriers so the people can know what do we do? What do we do? Where's the line? Where do we stop? Where do we fall back? Don't you see why Satan loves to bring confusion? in and among the preachers. And I preached what I did Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago with Brother Ron's about bringing the bride home safely. And about those 60 valiant men <coughs> that were Solomon's personal bodyguards. And they were sent to bring the bride home. And the Bible says they were expert in war. I walked off the platform, went back into the office at Brother Ron's. Brother Ron came back, Brother Tim came back. Brother Tim come over close to him and said, Brother Donnie, I thought that was so awesome. He said, but one thing that just so stuck out to me was that those men could use their swords on each other. Are you talking about when experts in war fight 
they know what they're doing. And they know how to use that word. And how many times has Satan got among us and had men that knew how to fight and knew how to use the scriptures and knew how to use the quotes and they would turn their swords on their own. So he goes to the lower parts of the earth and he knocks on hell's door. Sets the stand. Yes? Who's there? The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The prophet said, Satan opened the door and said, Oh, you finally arrived, did you? I thought I had you when I killed Abel. I thought I got you when I took Moses. I thought I got you. And he goes to a whole line and he said, yep, I'm here. My blood is hot on Calvary. And let me just remind you of what the prophet of God said about the blood of Jesus. He said it's just as fresh and powerful as if Jesus would have died just a few minutes ago. <laughs> the blood ain't lost its power. It's the same after 2,000 years. It can save a sinner. It can cleanse a lost person. The power and the blood to heal the sick. But it's amazing because the standard can be a symbol of war. But it can also be a symbol of peace. So there it flies in peaceful times. But you still know where to go. A standard is an ensign of victory. So as a living, resurrected Savior, the angels had to raise the crimson flags of triumph and said, death, oh death, is swallowed up in victory. Oh, Lord God, children, this is what we want flying over us tonight. Not no cold confession. I want that power of the living, resurrected Savior flying over my soul. What will it bring? It brought an end to my war because I was born to fight against God in the natural body. But the ensign changed me, and it changed from a symbol of war between me and God to a symbol of peace. I'm no longer at odds with God. I'm no longer at odds with my brothers and sisters sisters, I'm at peace. Hallelujah. When the standard is set up, the army is together. So it's a sign of recruitment. And they say, here's the place. You want to enlist? Yeah, I believe it there. What do you think? I believe I can whoop there for them old Japs. You know, I believe I can do that man alive. 
Time you go through boot camp, you'll realize you couldn't do nothing. Then if you're a Marine, you get that much longer. Some of us all call it, God, let me at the devil. Jesus said, I gotta get the devil out of you first, son. I gotta get you, you flames, your face all washed up so you don't look like a bunch of whores out of hell. I've gotta get you full of the Holy Ghost and I've gotta send you to boot camp. You may be kicked around a little bit. You may be smacked down by that sergeant. What did you say, son? Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Numbers chapter one, verse 52, and the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp. Every man by his own standard throughout their host. Chapter 2, verse 2 Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. Isaiah 49, 22, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard. Hallelujah. To the people and they shall bring thy sons in their arms and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Let me close. St. John 12, 32, and I, if I be lifted up, from the earth will draw all men. This is the standard, friends. Christ Jesus. Now I'm talking about a Baptist Jesus. I'm talking about a Church of God Jesus. Because most of the denominations make him a second person of the Godhead. That's not the inside. He said, I am the Lord God and beside me there is no other. He said, if there is any other God, I don't know anything about it. I, there's no one here. Well, if he says there ain't nobody there, I figure there ain't nobody there. Since he was there before I was there and there before you was there and there ain't none of us that was there, he was the only one that was there and he said there ain't nobody else there. I figure there ain't nobody else there. I mean, I know I'm down in a cold bucket, maybe with some of y'all, but my goodness, one plus one, you know, you ought to figure what it is. But God is the only one that can take fatherhood, sonship, baptism of the Holy Ghost, add one plus one plus one, and he still winds up with one God. He don't wind up with three persons in it, three individuals. He winds up with attributes and the same Godhead. And not only that, but if you're bride tonight, you also are part of the Godhead. Let's stand. You see, the manifestation of Christ in the flesh, the revelation of Him and the gospel, is a signal to lost sinners to shake off their shackles. It's a signal to the sick person to shake off their disease. It's a signal to those that are bound with whatever that they don't have to be bound no more. This is why, of course, it's the preacher's responsibility to hold a standard up before the people that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what do we do then whenever a preacher does that and people see that in his ministry? Then whenever they have a need, they just believe they can go for prayer and God hears them and God's gonna do it. 
God may not do it tomorrow. God may not do it next week, but God's going to do it in his time. But God is going to do it. But what if a preacher then hoists the center back up? And I'll tell you what now. We got a bunch of Pentecostals in this message. And I'll tell you what, they're praying for people and they're having prayer lines and stuff like that. Now, we just don't need that stuff no more. Lord, have mercy. We got more sick people now than we've ever had. We still need to pray for the sick. We still need encouragement. How many knows it's the truth? So what does Satan want to do? He wants them preachers to take down that standard of Hebrews 13, 8 and pull up another standard and say, the days of miracles is past. Well, I agree with them. For everybody who hangs that flag and everybody who gathers under it, they are past. But that don't apply to us. Because that ain't our flag. That ain't what we're rallying around. Our flag is Hebrews 13 8. It's not Paul is the same. It's not Brother Branham is the same. It's not you is the same or I am the same. But Brother Joel, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, praise God. Shoot, my time's gone. I didn't get halfway done. Let me just read one quote to you here in the Cedar Discrepancy. Now, Jesus said, just before this great <clears throat> discrepancy is gathered and burned, the Son of Man will reveal himself in the same manner as he did then. What is it? A lifting up, a fresh before you. That Jesus Christ. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, not this great preacher, young this and over here. Oh, glory to God, brother Donnie Reagan, brother so-and-so, brother Darrell Ward. No, no, that, that's not the lifting up. The lifting up is Jesus Christ is the same. It'll only be a few more settings. It's on the Lord tarries. I'll die. I'll go by the way of the grave. If this church is tied to me, y'all might as well just burn it now. If I'm the strength of this church, if I'm the stability of this church, we have wasted our time. Well, come on, children. If Brother Ron Spencer is the only stability in his church, I feel sorry for him. If the Lord takes Brother Tim and and his church falls apart, that's a very sad ending to a great ministry. But I am not the foundation of this church. Brother Tim Pruitt, Brother Ron Spencer, all the rest of these great men of God around the world, our foundation don't need to be the pastor. Our foundation needs to be the doctrine of the apostles and Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. Not aware, brother Donnie passes. Right. You can get a stonemason to go up there and take that stone out that says Pastor Donnie Reagan. I laid them. I have no problem with you taking them down once I'm dead. <laughs> so what are we gonna do? Are we gonna turn this into a hog lot? Once the pastor's changed. The Bible don't say Donnie Reagan the same. Jesus Christ is the same. The work must go on. Healing the sick must go on. It did not stop in 1965. We still need it among us. Do we not? Praise the Lord. 
God bless you, saints. Don't you love him with all your hearts? Go ahead and give him a hand. Praise the Lord. Once the standard moves, the army knows when to march. Yeah, you imagine if you're way back in the battalion or the platoon, and you can't really see the guys in the first row, and you're saying, well, I'm watching them guys. You better not. Because if they march it down over a hill and you can't see them, you're going to be in a mess. You don't know where they stop, they started, they turn left, they turn right. But it just so happens that the standard is higher than any man in the army. Well, glory to God. I said the standard is higher, so you may not be able to see your favorite preacher because he's going through a valley or whatever more, but if they've got the standard high enough, you can say, glory to God, we're moving on, praise the Lord. I can see Brother Donnie, I can see Brother so-and-so, but I can see Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why Paul said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the standard. So that's what we watch. Praise God. It was a disgrace for the colors to fall to the ground. It was a disgrace for the colors to be captured by the enemy. And the enemy prized them. They wanted them. Don't you see why Satan wants to attack Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus is the same. What's he done, friend, to me, the message churches? He's taken their colors. Do you understand some churches? Some churches in the message believe that Jesus come invisibly somehow in 1977 and since then nobody else has been saved. They don't take communion. They don't have revivals. They don't reach to the lost. And they go as far as teaching castration to the men in their churches. Why would you want to father serpent seed, they say. So they didn't have children and now they don't have grandchildren. And this is their posterity. Why? They took down the standard of Jesus Christ and put up the standard of some idiot preacher. Brother Donnie, that's not nice. The prophet said it, so I reckon I can. Come on, I ain't interested in some of your cultured ideas of what you think is proper. Get your head out of Facebook and go to studying the message more and you might find out some of these things. So we took down the standard of prayer meetings and took down the standard and then we wonder why folks can't live right. Get that standard of the baptism of the Holy Ghost up there. Oh brother, it'll anoint you to live right in the middle of the flood. You're swimming out on the other side and the devil said, I thought I had you. You can't sink me, devil. I'm part of, of oh my, I'm greater than the Titanic was. I'm unsinkable. Hallelujah. I may believe it. Let's rally, friends. Let's rally. 
It'll be a call, and it won't last long. It'll be a short, quick work. You better get on board if you're going. Hallelujah. The dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost, which she has worked in part while the headstone is descending. He'll shut the mouths of the critics. I heard him say it again last night. He would shut the mouths of the critics. And it would be marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah. 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 So our church can be great, so our church can be nothing, so he can be great. He's not going to do this to prove I've got one great super son over and another great super son over here. He wants to prove he's the mighty God. We're not looking at the guy on the front line. We're not looking at the guy on the second line. We're watching the inside. We're watching the inside. Oh, I know, friend, a lot of folks fell in love with the prophet, and that's what they think, whose image is on the inside. I don't see Brother Branham on the inside. I see Christ Jesus. Amen. I see Christ Jesus, a pillar of fire, a pillar of life, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who I'm following. It's a disgrace to lose the standard. It's a disgrace to lose our colors. Let's fight for it to the end. Are you willing to stand true? So what if God lets an element of persecution rise? How many of us will still be standing? There's enough compromising message churches around, (laughs) and there'll be more, that you'll be able to go there and not really even be identified as a message believer because it'll be such a mixture of worldliness and everything else. They ain't going to quote the prophet. They ain't going to really preach the message. They're just preaching the shadows on the outskirts. I'm not an outskirt guy. Never have been. I like to be in the middle of things. <laughs> if there's a good brawl, where is it? Where is it? I like having buddies, preacher buddies, that when you get in a good brawl, Brother Jim Babb used to say, Brother Donnie, you're the type of guy that if you ever get into a street fight, you're the type of guy that you want to look around and see you're there by you. Said some of these other message brothers are real eloquent and they're real statesmen and they're this and that and the other, but they may or may not be there in the middle of a battle. Believe me, I've had some of them like that in the battles I've been through and they was behind me all right about 42.5 miles. Uh-huh, oh, but I'm so glad God let me have some buddies and some friends and some men right here in this church and you could look around and say, how you doing, Brother Dow? You, you good, man? I'm good, Brother Donnie. Keep on stabbing. Keep on stabbing, Brother Joel. Men that can stand back to back. Say, come on, buddy. I got you back. Oh, yeah, some preachers have had my back, all right, just long enough to stab me in the back 
They won't do you no good though. Is there anybody here that wants to hold the standard with me? If God takes me, what about some of you young men? What about some of you sisters in your life and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we willing to hold the standard up? Don't be ashamed of your long hair. Don't be ashamed of your dresses. You're wearing the standard of Jesus Christ. Every day when you go to Walmart, when you get out on the street, you are displaying a standard of holiness. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd help us, Father. I was never in our armed forces of our nation. I missed the wars and times that was on the earth. They'll ask me sometimes when I check out at Lowe's, Home Depot, got a military discount, I say, I'm a captain and the host of the Lord. Does that count? And in one way, I feel ashamed because I was never able to stand for our country. But I would have had I been able to be called. And there's folks standing here in this service tonight that risked their very lives that we would have this freedom tonight to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I thank every one of them for that. We're so grateful, Lord. But Lord God, even though I was not able to serve in the Army, the Marines, the Air Force, you call me to serve in the greatest army that's ever been on the face of the earth. Lord God, not only me, but every child of God sending here tonight, the young, the old, the middle-aged, the sisters, every one of us, We've been called to serve in the army of the living God. Lord, we're living in a time of great confusion. Flooding does that. Lord, as I've seen some of these floods on YouTube and watched the people as they're screaming and hollering, some of the people's cars get caught in the water and they're trying to get out, the car filling up with water and they don't know what to do. Anyone that understands it knows it's such an impossibility almost to be able to even get your door open whenever you're submerged in the water that way. Many people will drown because they cannot get out in the time of flood. And I saw one just the other day, Lord, in China, and it was going down through there, holding on to post and holding on to signpost, and the rushing water coming down through the streets got over their head, totally disappeared lost. Lord, we can see the floods, the flood of intellectualism, the flood on the other side of pure emotionalism, the flood of worldliness, the flood of this, the flood of that. Some are going down in the waters of worldliness. Some are going down in the waters of compromise. Lord, the world, both naturally and spiritually, is inundated with floodwaters. And what's so sad is many of them are letting go of the standard. 
We can't drown as long as we're hiding in the right place because you'll always have a place of safety for us. Help us, Lord Jesus, at Word of Life Church. May we not only be called by that, but may we be that. The Word of Life. From that scripture, Lord, that I love, that Paul wrote, holding forth the Word of Life. That's what I want to hold to these people. They're inundated with troubles. Lord God, they're flooded all around them, their homes, their families, their jobs, their work. We've got to have something to hold on to, something to rally around. And there's so many voices. One preacher said, hey, over here's it, over here. Others said, no, 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 don't go that way, come over here. And people go there and they go here, they go there, they go somewhere else, they don't know where they belong, they don't know who the pastor is, so they skip, hop, and jump around. How sad. In the middle of a flood, people are jumping around from one place to another. God have mercy. If it was ever a time to be stable and anchored, it's now. Help me, Jesus. Lord, sometimes it seems like the rain will never stop. It seems like I get under one thundercloud after another after another. But Lord God, I can hear my destiny ringing down through eternity. Hallelujah. I am the Lord God that created the heavens and the earth. Did not I speak the universe into existence? Did not I call you? I hear you say my name. Lord, this is what we need in this hour of stability to know that you have called us, not just the preachers. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, we can hear it echo from the throne of God. You are mine. That's the standard of the soul. Feelings ain't our standard because a lot of times in battles, we feel everything but you. We feel everything but saved. We feel everything but healed but the standard remains the same whether we feel it or not. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody like to raise your left standard and your right standard and wave your little flags around in the presence of God? Hallelujah. Give him a wave offering right here tonight. Lord, we surrender. But we not only surrender, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name here tonight, Father. Lord, though they may fall to the right and though they may fall to the left and some look this and that and the other, Lord God, may we be found stable. May we be found standing on the rock of ages, Lord. Hallelujah. It must have been such a scary time for the apostles when they realized you had died. How could that be possible? Their minds was inundated with no doubt these thoughts of confusion and they were sore, so tore to pieces they didn't know what to do. And the flag, it seemed, was removed from them. It was the transition from the natural pole of the flesh 
and the flag is gonna be changed from the human body now to the pillar of fire, the spirit, spirit being. And it had took a few days for that to transpire. And the standard was gone from before their eyes. They didn't know what to do. Peter got the tore up. He said, I'm going back to what I've done before. I'm going back fishing. They said, we're going with you. They didn't know what to do. The standard was gone. They were so tore up, they didn't know what to make of it. Hallelujah. But then the standard appeared in a resurrected body. And they looked at him and they still didn't know who he was until the standard started doing the same things that he'd done before. And then they recognized it was Jesus. Oh Jesus, we see you doing the same things that you did when you were here. We see you doing the same things that you did in the book of Acts. We see you doing the same things that you've done down through the age because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know it's you, Lord. So we can rally around that standard. There we can be stable. Though the water's getting higher and higher, the confusion getting greater and greater, and we're sure, yes, absolutely, we're losing property out, no question about it. Beautiful things in our life are being destroyed. Precious things are being taken away from us by the indignation of the water as it's coming. But we are still stable because we are wading through. We know which way to go, and that's up on the promise of your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah to God. Can we just worship him just, just a few minutes before we go? I know you got to work tomorrow and you got school and college and all of that sort of thing. Oh, but my, this is such an important time. Praise the Lord. Let's make a new commitment tonight. What do you say? That we're identified. Oh, my, let us run as they did to Iwo, on Iwo Jima whenever that flag, my, bronze statues have been made of it, pictures have circled the globe. It's a proud thing for us as Americans, sure, and we can identify with it, and you know, many of you know the history and all of it, but what it meant. But it's a symbol of our freedom. We can still point tonight to that cross and we can point to men. What good did the flag do by itself? But there were men there who were willing to risk their lives and hold that flag for. Don't you understand? God called ministry. That's why Satan absolutely hates the ministry in this message. The ministry has never been so charged and so stood against and so humiliated and so laughed at as it is this message. Not another message down through the seven church ages. Has the ministry been publicly and privately ridiculed, jokes made about it? You not believe the things I've heard, jokes made about preachers from the people in this message. Not realizing they're gonna stand before God one day and answer for ridiculing what God's prophet said was God's commanding officers. That's the way God looks at them and if you don't, you need the Holy Ghost. That's just the plain facts. That's what it is. God called men are God's commanding officers. That's what he said in 1962 in North Carolina. They are God's commanding officers of God's inside dress wear. Oh my, that's why you need to pray for every one of them. Pray for every one of them that God will help them to hold that flag and not slip another standard up there and take this one down and put that one. Behold the original one, brother. It'll change people's lives. It'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. It'll change their lives. Praise God. Praise God. 
Oh, Lord God, we worship you tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Sing something for us. Hey, let's just worship him now. Praise God. Aren't you glad, friends, that we've still got the same standard of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. The same gospel that Peter preached, that Paul preached, the same one alive tonight. Not a different one, but the same one. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
thank you, Lord God. But it was in the night. In the night.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to be in one army or the other. You're going to be in the army of heaven or the army of hell. The army of heaven equips its soldiers with everything they have need of and gives you an eternal reward after you get done fighting. The army of hell don't give you much to fight with and takes you to a lake of fire when it's over. It don't sound like to me it'd take a very smart person to make the choice of which side they want to be on. How many is on the Lord's side tonight? Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Let all hell know. Hey, devil! If you're looking up this way tonight, look, we're on the Lord's side. We're on the side of the right. We're on the side of the true. And we're not ashamed. We're proud of it. We're proud to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We're proud to be baptized in Jesus' name. We're proud to be, hallelujah, the children of God, filled with the power of the resurrection. Mm, Sing something for us, Harry. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's sing a little before we go. God bless you, I love you. Appreciate you in the Lord. Don't you thank God for his mercy to us? Praise the Lord. Well, this means war. Hallelujah. This means war. This means war. This means war. I've got joy in my soul. God is in control. I got Satan on my trail, but I'm seeing all is well. He's attacking every day, but I'm watching while I pray. No matter the attack, I won't turn back. Cause this means war.
to those generals one day I will call you to come up and get in my chariot and you shall ride with me hallelujah hallelujah don't you want Jesus to call you hallelujah we may be battle scarred we may Oh my, we may be pretty rough looking, but the master will come and call and say, come on, children. Come on, children. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to let you go. If you need help getting to the car, let us know. I can't help you, but maybe somebody else can because I'm going to need help getting to mine. (laughs) Don't you love it when you leave service drunk? (laughs) Glory! The prophet said since he got the Holy Ghost, he'd been drunk every day since. Wake up intoxicated, go to bed intoxicated, wake up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water, you're still intoxicated. I believe a man or woman can be so completely filled with God that the devil don't know what to do with them and hell just shakes their head and said, what in the world is the matter with them? I'll tell you what's the matter with us. We got the standard on the inside. We got a standard on the outside. We got a standard in the middle. We got a standard in the head. We got a standard in the spirit. We got a standard in the soul. We know how to walk and we know how to talk and we know how to fight and we know where the light is and we know where we're going because we know where we come from and we know there ain't enough powers in hell to stop us because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Look out cancer, here we come. Look out oppression, here we come. Look out devil, here we come in the name of Jesus. We are a mighty army of God and we are unstoppable. We are undefeatable, hallelujah, because our God has called us. Brother Darrell, come and dismiss them, buddy. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
we love and appreciate Brother Darrell, don't we? do I have to dismiss <laughs> so good in his presence to be in the presence of our king our lord our healer our comfort our joy our peace our sustainer these are all in all with him we can do all things without him we can do nothing never leave us never forsake us in the deepest, darkest trials of our life, he's the one holding our hands. What a mighty and awesome God that we serve. Amen. And he will fulfill every promise he has made to us. But Brim said he keeps his word 100 times out of 100. If God said it, he'll do it. And all he ever asked us to do was believe what he said. Do you enjoy the Word of God tonight? Amen. You know, when I, when I joined the Army, they gave me a steel pot, an M16 rifle. I was a 203 grenade launcher. I carried the M203 underneath the M16. I was on a 155 howitzer. Fired a projectile about 18 miles, I think, on a max charge. They gave me combat boots. But there's one thing they never gave me that was a promise of a victory. But when I got in God's army, he gave me the helmet of salvation. He shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel, the shield of faith, and the sword of the word. But you know what he gave me? The promise of a victory. Amen. That's about it is. I just had to say that. I'm sorry. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so glad that we can call you Father to know that we are the CG of God manifested in this hour, the sons and daughters of God on the earth. That you're going to put us in Luther's day or Wesley's day or even the days when you walked the shores of Galilee, but you reserved us to this generation. That we would be a people, Lord, of the seventh age. That would be the bright light in the end time that we would bring this light to the darkness of Laodicea. That they would know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we believe we're standing here tonight with the seed of God. That you wrote their name in your book before there was ever an angel, before there was ever an atom or a molecule. We were on your mind. We were in your thinking, Lord Jesus. And Father, we believe that this is the hour that you have chosen that we should walk upon the earth that we would not walk as men, but we would walk in the way that you intended for us to walk as sons and daughters of God made in your image. Lord, I pray tonight as we take these things that we have heard, Lord, may we hold that standard up in every home, in every life, God, in every heart, Lord, 
that this dying generation would know that thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Lord, for the word that we heard tonight, God. Lord, it wasn't a denominational creed or some man's ideal, but it comes straight from thy word, O oh God, and we thank you, Lord. And we ask now, God, that you'd return the strength to our pastor, Brother Donnie. Lord, you see the burden, Lord, and the, the trial of the family, but God, may this be the night, Lord, that the angel passes by, Lord, and the rising of the sun tells a different story because that's the kind of God that you are, Lord. We believe you for it, Lord. Thou who brought my daughter out of the darkness, Lord, and caused her to see and walk again. May that same God move for our sister, Lord, we pray. For you're no respect of persons. Lord, go with your children now as they make their way home, God. And we plead the blood, Lord, over every need, over every situation. May the enemy flee, Lord, we pray. Until we meet again, Father, be with us. May you be the center of our conversation. And may that be which we meditate upon would be thy word, dear God. May we write it upon our hearts, Lord, and speak it back upon our lips, we pray. Go with your children now, Lord. Thank you for this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. I guess you're dismissed if you want to go home in the fear of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? Amen. Amen. We'll see a little bit more of that. I've got joy in my soul. God is in control. I've got Satan on my trail, but I'm singing all as well. Every day, I'm watching while I pray. No matter the attack, I won't turn back. Cause this means war. This means war. This means war. This means war. I've got joy in my soul. Well, God is in control. I've got Satan on my trail, but I'm singing all is well. He's attacking every day, but I'm watching while I pray. No matter the attack, I won't turn back. No, this means war. This means war. Oh, this means war. I plead, I plead the blood of Jesus. You can't have my, you can't have my, you can't have my, this